Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mm. And I'm using a different cup today. I usually save this one for like special occasions or weekends, which I know is dumb, but I love this cup. Isn't that pretty? For those of you who can't see, this is, um, it's a, I don't know what you call this shape. It's more like a teacup shape instead of a mug. And I, I got it from Anthropology, and it's painted with all these different colored flowers. And it just makes me happy. It's so pretty. Uh, I bought this one year while Christmas shopping in Tucson uh, with my mom and my stepsister at La Encantada at the Anthropology there. And uh, I bought this for me, which you're not supposed to do well. Uh, Christmas shopping, but I did anyway. Although we do this kind of Black Friday shopping that is very um, ladies who lunch, not something that my stepsister or I do very often. In fact, I think it's like the one time a year that either one of us does it. But we go out on Black Friday and we go to La Encantada and we go to like the clothing stores and we buy a lot of stuff for each us and for each other and we have a long lunch with wine and it was funny because with missing thanksgiving year i think all of us that was the part we missed most was our uh, girls trip so i love this cup before i go too much farther i should say that today is thursday january 14th um i feel like january's flying by but I know not everybody's feeling that way. Everybody's feeling like it's a continuation of 2020, but I'm not feeling that bad about it. And I will say that uh, today's earrings are these very pretty bright green rectangles. Um, I'm not sure what you call this style. Cloisonne. It's not really cloisonne because it's not patterned, but um, they're just long slim rectangles which is something i love and they're uh almost a lime green but in a beautiful way it's hard to find good greens i think and there's a little bit of a pattern in there i don't know if you could see it on the video but no you probably can't there's like a little bit of a crackle pattern in there that uh, gives it a bit of texture but i love these earrings green is my favorite color and it's hard to find. Normally, I don't like a green that's this bright, but I like these because they do not get lost in the tenebrous depths of my mass of hair. And um, and occasionally I wear, like today, I'm wearing this sort of green swirly Cirque du Soleil tank top, and it's um, it picks up the highlights in there. I like you know like a little accent. So earrings for the day. Um, the artist, Sasha, who um, made the earrings that I showed on Tuesday, wrote me a comment and explained more about those stones. So I added it to the show notes if anyone's interested. But it turns out that that's, um, those beads are not glass, but mystic quartz. And she said she only ever found seven of them. So... And what was the other thing I wanted to be sure to mention before I got distracted? Who knows? I think I was talking about my teacup, but I, oh, I was going to show you all that I got my nails done yesterday. I got sparkly pink nails. So now I'm a Cinderella princess. 
so a lot of people were very interested, it turns out. <laughs> it's funny when people say, oh, I really loved your podcast today. And I'm like, what did I say? I have no idea what I said. Uh, but talking about the beginning is, of books and how what you could do 20 years ago, you can't get away with now. For better or worse, I'm not saying that that it's a good or bad thing. I know that there are people who will always be kind of bemoaning saying, Oh, they don't write books the way they used to. It's like, well, it doesn't matter. It's just, um, what a modern reader will tolerate is different than what we tolerated 20 years ago. And so I am doing my reread of Kushel start on my Kindle. I went ahead and bought the, the series in ebook. And so for those of you who have, are not familiar with the series, this is book one the doorstop um, comes in at 912 pages. Uh, most of you will recognize that I have a, um, a very early edition of this. Yeah. Well, it wasn't the first edition that, cause this is the mass market. So this was published in March, 2002. So, um, amazing book. I bought it on impulse. I remember at my, um, Hastings in my small town that in Laramie, Wyoming. And I bought it because I saw the cover. Actually, I think I may have seen the cover for book two and then scrounged and found book one. So anyway, I'm doing my reread on the paper wipe and, uh, I am now up to chapter 20 page 178, which is 20% on the Kindle. And we are still not at the point where I think the story begins. Uh, and I'm not saying that I am not loving everything about what I'm reading so far. I, um, am loving it. It's been wonderful to, this is my first reread. I don't reread often, mostly because I feel like there are so many new books to read. I, you know, I, I complain about my, uh, my teetering TBR, which has over 300 books in it. I know this because I keep a spreadsheet, of course, that includes both print and digital books. And yeah, so I don't often do a reread, but obviously it's been 20 years since I read this book. So it's been good to revisit and I'm very much enjoying um, reading it, knowing what happens later. It is all relevant, but it takes a tremendous amount of patience because there are a lot of characters and a lot of subtle events. And she's really weaving this tapestry for a very broad political conflict. And at this point in the book, if you haven't read it before, you just don't really know what to pay attention to. You don't know what's important. Uh, and that's just, I don't know. I, I know she's changed this over time and I would not, I would not alter this book. That's not what I'm saying. But for new readers coming into this book, the story has really not kicked in. It's all world building and um, character backstory. And it's amazing world building and character backstory, but it's not at the point where the actual story begins. And that's something that's difficult for many, um, 
writers, I'm not even going to say newbie writers, I would say all writers. It's always hard to find that point where the story begins. And one of the downsides of coming up with, well, of, I'm trying to think how to phrase this. One of the downsides of, what is the word I want? I want to say conforming, and that's not right. But of folding yourself into this modern trend of meeting reader expectations, current reader expectations, is that because the story has to start so much sooner, then it's harder than ever to weave in that world building and backstory to try to find places to insert it without weighting down that arc. Jacqueline Carey has taken 20% of this doorstop to, you know, almost 200 pages to establish the world and backstory of the character. And it's a wonderful luxury and, you know, heavens bless her because I wish I could do that. But the the thing is, is that we don't get to do that. Um, readers just, readers, new readers won't really tolerate it from her, as I've mentioned. So I'm still looking for the place where I'm going to tell you guys to start. But, and if you want to do a read along, you know, you should, you could, you could, dive in soon because I think what you would do is start where I tell you that the story is going to start, begin reading from there. And I think you'll be fine. You'll get caught up very quickly in the story. And then you can always go back and read those first 200 pages or so and get all of that amazing world building and backstory. Um, but I would argue, and I'd have to do, um, at some point, we'll have to declare this a, a spoiler zone, but I would argue that what Jacqueline felt like was the, the key part of the beginning of this story is really just part of the heroine's backstory and motivation. And even though she loved this one, she loved a couple of these characters, um, in the end, they don't really matter that much. Um, alas, alack. So, um, so yeah, I mean, if you want to read along, we could, and we could discuss it. And then people who, uh, don't want to, uh, be spoilered on Kushel and the series could, could move out. Um, it is, when I first read it, it took me a while to key into the fact that it was basically, uh, an alternate history. In some ways it's more of an alternate history than an alternate world because it, you know, and the, the map in the front is a giant clue. And I am not one who looks at maps. I know a lot of readers scrutinize maps and I just don't for whatever reason. I don't know. But so like, if you look at the maps in the front, uh, those of you who are on video can see, but for those not, um, I will tell you that it's basically a map of, <clears throat> excuse me, of West Northwestern Europe. Well, yeah, Northwestern Europe and the United Kingdom. And so like Ireland is very, I mean, the, the land masses, the boundaries are very distinctly those. And so it's air and Alba and 
the main country is called Terre d'Ange, which is France. There's the Flatlands, which is obviously the Netherlands. There's Scaldia. There's Cerdici Unitas, which is Italy, um, Aragonia, Spain. So I don't, I think when I first read this, I was just, I embraced the fantasy aspect. And she has an almost like an alternate mythology, which is based on Jesus, but isn't Jesus. It's a, a different Jesus or like Jesus's son. Uh, and I keyed into that right away, but it took me a while to key into that she was using all these alternate names for the countries and so forth. And and that's brilliant and beautiful. Um, I think she, I want to say she was among the first to do that. Maybe that was my own. Maybe I just hadn't read enough of that sort of thing. I could be wrong there. But in some ways, I'm I'm going to call it a little bit of a cheat. And I I know that many people do not agree with me on this, uh, but I think the, I feel the same way about um, Guy Gavriel Kay's The Lions of Alversan. I think I've said that right, uh, which I enjoyed. I liked that book very much. But again, it's really an alternate history. And, and then it bothers me sometimes when these books that are alternate histories are called fantasies. I think Jacqueline Carey's moves much more into the realm of fantasy because of the divine magic. Um, the society is very different. Guy Gabriel Kay essentially wrote an alternate history. Which is great. Which is a wonderful book. But it's just not fantasy. That's, that's my thing. Speaking of things. I got um, some queries from my proofreader. On the Golden Griffin and the Bear Prince. And she asked me... Uh, why I have such a thing for M dashes. And she said she counted and there were 874 M dashes in the book and that she thought she could shave off quite a few by replacing them where, where they should be commas. It was kind of funny how she phrased it. And I think um, copy editors tend to be of a distinct breed where they are convinced that they're right. So there's that. But I was thinking about it. I was thinking, why are we talking about shaving off M dashes as if they're a bad thing? As if um, somehow a comma is more worthy than an M dash. I, I nearly asked her if she counted how many commas and periods there were. You know, like, are we going for uh, an even distribution of punctuation marks? <laughs> I mean, I get shaving off the, the F-bombs, of which I believe there are none in this book because I very deliberately tried not to do that with this book for particular reasons. Um, you know, like some very powerful words can be overdone. Exclamation points can be overdone. Can you overdo M-dashes? Clearly she thinks so. Uh, I was a little bit taken aback because I thought, well, what, what's so fucking wrong with M-dashes? <laughs> Um, clearly I am someone who speaks in M dashes and parenthetical phrases. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see But I was, um, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. I was like, well, you know, considering that many of my M dashes, and I would say probably 
it would be interesting to do the math, but you know, I would say more than 90% are paired because they're setting off a kind of parenthetical phrase. So that means of her like 874 instances, there's probably, you know, in the neighborhood of 430 or whatever, uh, M dash phrases. And the book is that many pages long. So it's been, you know, it's like maybe one set per page, which I don't think is beyond the realm. I don't know. Is this a thing? I mean, I know that some people get really excited about Oxford commas, uh, which for the record, I do not. Um, I think I, the Oxford comma is not a hill I will die on. Uh, I know people love to come up with examples for, uh, you know, like how something can be misread if you do not put the Oxford comma in there. And I think, yeah, if it can be misread, then you could use it. But then I think you could also be free not to use it if there's not chance of it being misread. I think um, even though they can be funny jokes, that most of the time the meaning is clear from context. You know, so sort of, um, I don't know. I don't have that copy editor mindset, although I do have the copy editor proofreader eye, you know, like where I could see stuff that's wrong stands out to me and, you know, like it's bold on the page. But I don't have this, um, I don't know, this sense of punctuation justice that some of them seem to have. But but they, they serve an important role. So the other thing I have to do today is work on my own map. Um, when I first wrote The Mark of the Tala, which now feels like a long time ago, my editor asked me if I had a map for that world. And as we've already established, I'm not so much of a map person. And I know a lot of writers create their maps first. And I'm very much a believer in uh, write the book, write the damn book. Don't, um, you know, like all that time that you could spend on the world building and building your character profiles and drawing your maps and sketching out your world history and all that kind of thing. I feel like that's all um, sort of, sublimating. It's taking that wonderful writing energy and putting it to something that feels writing adjacent, but doesn't actually count as writing. So I'm always like, write the book, write the book. You can always do those other things later. Uh, so he asked me if I had a map that he thought that would be helpful to readers because apparently some readers look at maps, who knew? Uh, so I drew one and I did reference Jacqueline Carey's uh, maps. I pulled out like all of my fantasy books that I knew had maps in them. And I pulled out like five different examples and laid them out and then shamelessly uh, copycatted how, they, how those map makers did it. So for Golden Griffin, I think it would be beneficial to have a map. And while uh, the quest takes place within a map that I've already drawn, I have to go into detail. And so I've got to get that done because we need to send to the formatter tomorrow. Uh, my proofreader will hopefully get me notes tonight. I need those notes tonight so that I can get it off to the proofreader tomorrow uh, or off to the formatter tomorrow. So it's a little bit tight, but um, I guess she got uh, behind more than expected because of the, the difficulty of news and so forth this week. 
So that's where I'm at. Uh, I hope that you all have a wonderful Thursday. I hope that um, that you are able to get your work done. After all, it is the one thing we can control, right? I'll remind you all that First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you will find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.